0: You're listening to the British Baseball Podcast. (laughs) Hello, baseball family. Matthew here with another episode of the British Baseball Podcast. I'm excited to have alongside me, Gabe. Rink how are you doing, Gabe? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, sounds a pound. We've had a nice little chinwag off air, so I'm hoping to try and incorporate some more of that into this episode because I has been some absolute nuggets uh, in there too. So if you've got any FIFA fans out there, this this is the episode for, <laughs> episode for you. Um, Gabriel, but before we get into all the uh, the football talk, uh, do you want to give us a bit of your background for those that don't know you, like your home life, your family life, and uh, how you got to be where you are today?
1: Yeah, so I was I was born in uh, Boynton Beach, Florida, so... It's only fitting that I come back for my last year in college, which is Boca Raton, it's like right next to Boynton Beach. So I come around full circle, but um, I was born in Florida and then moved to Venezuela for six years. And then since my whole family is Venezuelan, so I moved there. And then at the age of six, I moved to Scotland from uh, ages like six to 12 years old. Um, Move here, but without my parents. So. Uh, sisters and mum and dad still over there. Um looking to go back in January for a couple couple of days, maybe two weeks. Um get to see some old mates and um, my family. Uh, but so basically um grew up with my uncle, uh Roberto here in America and uh that's it. Obviously I've just been playing baseball, played football judo swimming over in scotland because obviously there's no baseball so family did me a favor and sent me over here yeah
0: were were you were you into baseball then when you were living in venezuela
1: before you moved to uh, glen i got i got i got into baseball because my dad played professionally Mm. um for the mariners and then uh, i always wanted to be like my dad so um got into playing baseball at a young age like two and a half years old i was always a big big lad so um some of the parents would be like, "What's? let's see that birth certificate. He's not two years old.
0: (laughs) How hard was it for you then when you got to Scotland and not having, like, baseball there?
1: I mean, I was told I was going on a uh, holiday, so it's like I was (laughs) expecting to go back and play baseball, so (laughs) didn't really think about it. So I just kind of made friends over there, learned to speak English, because obviously my first language was Spanish. I mean, even when I didn't know English I would still go out with uh, my neighbourhood friends in uh, the Water area um, and just like just hang around like I I didn't know how to speak English but I'd go play football with them it was fun honestly it was only till like ages 11 or 12 when I was just like I want to play baseball I would go on Sundays and play uh, for the Edinburgh Cannons but it wasn't really like a focus it was always just like my answer to my parents when they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, was to be a baseball player. So until they actually like sat me down and said, if you wanted to go play baseball, and I just like, thought about it. I was like, yeah, just send me over.
0: I hadn't really thought about it that much.
1: Was that a difficult
0: decision for you to make though as a 12 year old? I mean, like no, most yeah. 12 most year olds don't know what they want for the breakfast. And <laughs> you're sort of like making this big future decision like to leave your family, I suppose. and.
1: I do remember, like the day before I was supposed to fly out, I was like saying goodbye to my not all of them because, um, you know, they were all inside doing something at their house. But I remember Jordan, uh, my buddy Joe Boy is his nickname, but it was Jordan. And I was like, oh, you you, you ever coming back? Are you going to to America? He's like, oh, I don't know. I'm just gonna go play baseball, and then in the near future I'll come back, and every now and then, um. Don't speak with Jordan anymore. Don't know what he's doing anymore, but he's one of my good friends. Honestly, I was just like, All right, let's let's go, send me over. I want to play baseball. So you
0: love of you love baseball was just sort of so much it made you...
1: But, yeah, I like... it's, just, it's just like something that never... It always stuck with me, because, like, I don't know. I guess I did love it, but I never... Hmm. It wasn't like a, I'm infatuated with baseball. Like, I just... I love baseball so much and that was the reason I made it so easy because it wasn't easy. Like I went to the airport, my mum started crying and I was just like trying not to laugh just because that's how I'd handle certain situations that are awkward, just kind of like, it'll be all right, I'll come back in the summers and I'll see you. It wasn't like a, I have no idea. It was like I was guided,
0: I felt like this is what I was supposed to do, just come and give a shot. 'Cause I've seen you've got the, the Scottish flag embroidered on, on one of your gloves and one of your photos. So you must have like how special is Scotland to you and what do you miss most about it?
1: I mean, Scotland's always gonna be a part of me. It's like uh people when I, I speak like this to all my American friends, they're like, Well like why why don't you speak like this all the time? And I'm like, because oh, you wouldn't understand what I'm saying. And they always ask me, What did you say? Like what? And I'm like I don't know. Scotland will always be a part of who I am. Um, like I miss the people there, the atmosphere. Like even though baseball is not a thing there, and I used to get made fun of because I like playing baseball. Uh, Scotland will always be like one of my homes. You know. Uh, so it's, it's it's kind of difficult to put into words, but mm. it's just when it's a, when it's a part of you, it's like something that you'll always be grateful for.
0: As you mentioned before, that your dad uh, famously paid for the for the Mariners. How influential has he been on your career? It's been
1: second to none, honestly. It's, it's been, I mean, just from him playing baseball professionally was enough for me to like want to be that way. Because people say I'm like a replica of my dad. I'm like. Like, stop saying I'm a replica. I get, I get it. I, I look the same. I act the same. It's I, I get the point. But um, I guess I'm just kind of the same as him. So um, he's he's been like my role model this whole time, playing baseball up until. I mean, it doesn't help that he's a pitcher. And if to answer Jason Dare's question, if if we were to face off, the same age, I'd definitely, you know, take him deep.
0: <laughs> yeah uh, for for those that are the question uh jason Derf from ball caps and bagpipes asked uh who's better you or your dad um it'd be an interesting battle one of them ones like oh, yeah. rocky when you do the computer simulation also uh like a note
1: he threw 95 miles an hour back when it was considered like throwing hard so i mean i can only imagine with like the care they do nowadays mm. how hard he can throw uh, if he was my age now, so it's like yeah. he grew up when minor league baseball was underdeveloped, honestly. Yeah. So he must have he must have been pretty good.
0: Yeah. So we're going to do a little uh, icebreaker, a uh, bit of fun here before getting to the meat of the questions. I was we're going to do one line, two truths. So you have seen this question in advance. So I want you to give me one line, two truths, and I'm going to see if I can guess which one you're lying about and which one is uh, <laughs> which one. Are real. I've had some crackers on this so far, so there's a high bar being set.
1: Are you ready? Yeah. I eat peanut butter jelly sandwiches without the jelly. Uh, I was the best player, best baseball player all four years of high school. I didn't make the high school team two years in a row in high school, so I got cut.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Which one's a lie? Which one's true?
0: I think for the story purposes, I think it would be amazing if the lie was the peanut sandwiches so that you were caught as a ball player, then became the best player, and then your trajectory is taking you to where you are. That's where I'm going with, peanut sandwich, peanut butter sandwiches.
1: So the lie is that I was the best player all oh, four years of high school. I was <laughs> the best player in my last year of high school. Yeah. And I, I don't put jelly on my peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Why not? Just just ruins it honestly i'm with
0: you i had it on a massive bike ride and it's the weirdest tasting thing (laughs) in the world i don't get a fascination with it it's
1: just hard my my girlfriend's like "Yo, you're weird like and i'm like no you're weird you're the one that puts jelly on your
0: challenges yeah now shut up and eat this (laughs) haggis don't talk to me about weird foods (laughs) Oh, haggis is delicious. It
1: is haggis weather. Can't, now as I well. can't wait to have some. You know, it's illegal to import it into America. Really? Yeah. Why? Don't know. But I'm going to have some when I go back in January. Oh, man. And I'm, I'm going to make her taste it also. She's going to love it. Everyone's like, oh, she's been tasting. It's like, no.
0: Oh, that's good. That was good. I like that good, good answers. I also... Yeah. I, I thought you'd be modest enough not to say you were the best ball player for, throughout the whole of it.
1: See, to me... I, to, to me, I was the best player, but in reality, it was, wasn't like that. Yeah. Because you had, you had a first-round first pick um, who was a year older than me. Oh, really? Um, and then, you, you know, Cal Tucker. Yeah. For the Astros, he was a, two years before him. So it's like a long line of first-rounders mm. and big leaguers. But to this day, I'm still the best player to come out of the program. So,
0: Is that um, HB Plant High School? Yeah. Yeah. Because there are quite a lot of other notable names to come out of there, eleven major leaguers, including All-Stars Pete Alonso, Kyle Tucker, and Wade Boggs, All from yep. that high school. Yeah. So you you're in a long list. Definitely doing something right. Something in the water up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk then about your uh, time in in Scotland. Uh, I've seen some cracking shots of you in your, in your Scotland baseball jersey. What are your favourite on-field and off-field memories of playing in ball Scotland. in Scotland? Yeah.
1: Honestly, just, just being around everyone, because I wasn't, I mean, obviously, I wasn't as good as I wanted to be then and in high school, so I was just playing with, like, older the older guys and um, just having fun, and, and, like, the people that didn't know how to play baseball, they just look at me like, who's this guy, like, why is he so good? I wasn't good, but, like, comparison, uh, I was pretty decent for for my age so it was just like being around the the guys and actually getting to play baseball instead of just throwing a ball into the
0: wall yeah so how far do you have to travel then from five to a, to edinburgh just
1: not that, like an hour maybe 45 minutes yeah yeah worth it unless i went to glasgow it was about an hour and a half
0: hmm. when you started playing ball in high school how hard was it then for you to settle into the your new uh routine
1: it it honestly took me like three or four years to actually call America my home because like I just was different like I was different when I got to Scotland but I was also like six years old so I got to grow up there and then after like settling in there uh come over here and then just like fit in here just took me a little bit longer I just felt a little bit more comfortable because I came to play baseball and then after the, the first two years I got cut from it so it's like I wasn't even on the team just play like stay up and play video games until I just couldn't stay awake anymore because wasn't on the team yeah um and then it's just like I didn't like rap music now I do but it was just like didn't listen to rap music I didn't call uh rubber an eraser didn't call the rubbish the trash and um, just little, like a little different Things that just made me different. That uh, was only till like junior year of high school. Mm. Uh, well, I learned to speak like everyone else, and not because I wasn't like proud of who I was or where I come from. It's just so that like kind of lay low on the radar, and then anybody who knew me knew that I can, you know, where my roots come from. Um, kind of just something I decided when I came here. I was like, I'm gonna just lay low. And let to speak like everyone else. Because if not, i will just be... I don't know. It's kind of a strategy that I took. Yeah. Uh, but that took take me a couple of years to get used to it.
0: Yeah. Were people quite accepting of you? Like being an outsider sort of thing? Yeah.
1: Um, I think that they just didn't care enough to actually be, like, rude. You know what I mean? Like... Oh, you're from that boy from Switzerland? Like, no, nah, I'm from Scotland. Uh, it's like, oh, where's Scotland? Cause over there they teach you everything. Like they teach you geography, teach you where's America, where's, you know, over here, it's like all American history. And it's hmm. just focus on just America. And it's not like anyone else's fault. Like America has a lot of history. It's a lot of, like it's very important to be, like to know all that stuff. But some Americans don't even know American history. Like so, it's not really their fault. Uh, So I kind of learned that over the years. It's just like, like they're not doing it to be disrespectful or ignorant. They're just living. (laughs) Like they're just going going around their business. Like uh, yeah, they were they were really accepting. Uh, People now they're like, well, why didn't you talk like this the whole time? We would have loved it. Like people would love you. I'm like, yeah, you say that, but, like, after a, a couple of weeks of hearing this accent, it's just different. People get a little bit annoyed.
0: Would you do anything differently if you if you had your, your time again, like, through that no. period of your life? Or are you, no, you no, happy no. with the way it turned out? Or how yeah. you turned out? Yeah, because, um,
1: I don't know, it's just a cool little, little tidbit that uh, people that, you know, know me you know, can hear this part of me. I mean, now it's on a podcast and they can hear, but, like, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it, honestly.
0: Nice, Cool. So, uh, you, when you, your baseball journeys, um, I just go to a lot of really cool places. Who's some of the best players that you ever seen play?
1: Uh, Aaron Judge was, was decent. He's pretty good. I uh, saw him in uh, spring training. I saw Altuve play. Yeah. it uh, was pretty, pretty good. Especially for his size, he's not that, not that big. And he could still hit the ball pretty far. Um, but honestly, I haven't, I don't go out to to the games, I like big league games. Um, no, just like to keep yourself to yourself. Yeah, just kind of because I was I was very like focused. I was like, I don't need to go to the stadium and watch all these other players play if I'm not good enough to play there yet. So I was always oh, yeah. like a like a very better, like better at myself because I wasn't as good as I wanted to be. So like going to the game as a fan would. Honestly, make me like make me cross. Honestly,
0: yeah, that's interesting. Like a bit like imposter syndrome type of stuff. Yeah, I I had um, I got myself a GB baseball T shirt, and I don't wear it as much as I thought I would because I I don't feel like I should be wearing it. I don't feel like I've earned it, if that makes sense. Because I watch I watch you guys on on there wearing the, the shirt. And you've worked so hard to be where you are to represent Great Britain, and I've just got a t-shirt, and it, I just don't feel like it's right for me to wear it.
1: You yeah, know? but you know, like if you don't wear it, like there's no reason for us to play. Do you know what I mean? Like, hmm. you you don't have to do anything to earn it because, like, just your support alone is why we play. So, I think of it like that. Like you, like you're worth it, wear that that jersey. Um, but like for me it was like that's just how I I motivate myself I'm like honestly kind of talk trash to myself I'm like you're not good enough to play that stadium so you can't go watch other players who are going to be your opponents or teammates and like praise them like what are you doing don't go there so that's that's just like how how I'm wired just like a little bit
0: no, I, I can see that. And, and again, I think it's a real cool way to sort of motivate and drive yourself. Um yeah, the, the first time you ever go to like X Stadium is, is when you're stepping out there to bat. That's a really cool yeah. story in itself. So let's let's get onto that road then. Like because you're now with the Phillies, but back in 2021, you're actually drafted by the Padres in the 19th round. Um, can you talk us through that?
1: Uh, a lot of emotions. I was very invested into that draft. I mean, I thought with the year that I had, um, I was like, honestly, I was I had the like the wrong mindset because um, no matter what happened, I wasn't. I definitely know now that I wasn't meant to get what I want that year because um, it was a lot of me forcing things to go my way. Like, I want this. Uh, I did this. I did that. When really, like, nothing started happening for me. Uh, until like I let go control to Jesus Christ and um, it was very hard to do because I wanted everything to go my way and I wanted to do it and I wanted to manifest everything but I just simply wasn't ready Um because at the time I also had a labrum tear and mm. uh, so even if I did get the 800k that I asked for to go in the third second round and um, I just wasn't like ready like it wasn't time um, yeah. but a lot of emotions went into that draft because um, I had the I got the player of the year award at all Florida junior college so I, I felt like I worked too much to just go in the 19th round like I didn't get a call the whole draft until the end when I was picked um, I was wait like glued to the TV from rounds one to five and then after the fourth fifth round I was like shut the TV off. I was like, I'm not getting what I what I asked for. I'm not getting a call. So this just this is it for the draft this year. It was just as simple as that. I had I had my, my tea and then um just went home because I was at my uncle's place with my grandma and uh, my aunts and uncles and everyone was just there, like waiting for me to get drafted and then nothing happened like my phone was buzzing every time I, I buzzed i was like oh no just like notification from something else uh, like snapchat saying you something i'm like and then after that i was I was extremely just emotional like i was it was bad like but it only lasted for like a day and then i used that for motivation so i was like all right like they think i need to uh do more. I'll just do more. Like I'll just hit my home runs next year, because I still out of junior college. Like the the market's not very big for junior college hitters. So for me to ask, um, for like second round, third round money, um, I would have had to do a different program.
0: So what sounds like a really emotional and long day for them during that draft? Um. Well, people know that that you now with the Phillies anyway. How hard was it to? Turn down the Padres at that moment in time, and what was going through your head when you when you're going to make those decisions?
1: It was emotional for that day, and then the next day after the draft, um, because I was like, right, all this work I did, all the like the season that I had, clearly didn't merit anything to what I wanted, um, and then I was like, I asked for eight hundred thousand. I have to suffer the consequences that comes with being stubborn and getting what I want because if I were to say yes I'll sign with you Padres for uh, 200,000 or whatever it was um, that just makes me look like I have no integrity don't know what I want desperate which is just like not who I am you know um, like if if that last year didn't go as I planned I wouldn't have wouldn't have changed anything mm. because that's just the path that I decided to go with. Yeah. Uh, and I have to stick with that or else, you know, it's no take in that.
0: Yeah. So what then changed for you in 2022 as an individual to get yourself from 19th, um, well, 19th rounder to being a second pick for the Phillies, which was a third round. Um, how did you approach that
1: I gave my life to to Christ and uh ever since I you know fully committed living living for Christ everything's been what I've wanted like instead of like all the things that I wanted years ago came true in the same year that I stopped thinking about that putting that first I put Christ first and everything else was given to me after that um because all the all the things that I did before that um I guess to my theory wasn't I was just getting prepared to finally you know commit living to life um following pursuing Christ putting him first and then it, honestly everything after that third round um you know the money that come that came with it the opportunity uh Everything that I could possibly have prayed for before that, um, It's is funny that I gave up control. I stopped giving, like, caring about it, and just and just go play and stop thinking about it, and then everything started
0: happening. That's really interesting. Yeah, um, I burn myself out worrying about stuff that I can't control, and I was listening to a lot of podcasts about like stoicism and. It boiled down to just worry about the things that you can control. Especially being a parent, I would literally just go through scenarios after scenario after scenario of all sorts of ridiculous things and I'd be exhausted from it. And I'm trying now to sort of just like what can I control? Worry about that. Yeah. Anything else yeah. I can't control, it's nothing to do with it. If it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. And I feel I feel much better for it. Like that that sort of mindset. Just I feel a bit more free. Yeah. No, and I mean, even the things that
1: I could control, I was just I was controlling it too much. Sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes we can want to control things too much because we think we could do it better. But when when people do that, they just don't let God control things for them and it's like scary to give up control because then you have no authority over them. But it's just it's. But when you kind of come to letting him have authority over the things that you do, it's just the bad stuff, bad stuff get weeded out, and then all the good stuff just all of a sudden start to happen.
0: Interesting. So, can you tell us then about that that fateful draft day? What were your memories and emotions like going into that draft? Were you thinking, you know, this could be the same thing again, or? or had you had like well, sort of word that you know your, your stock had improved? Um, so I pretty much season
1: ended then the whole time I was you know every now and then I would get a scout comment and ask for how much I would sign for and uh, it would just go back to you know you could talk to my agent about that uh, redirect them to the agent. I wasn't invested at all in the draft I didn't want to hear anything about it. Um, you know how Google gives you suggestions like, Oh, you'll like this uh freaking MLB draft prospects, uh top prospects for MLB Every time I would just collect the X, not interested, not interested, not interested. And I just honestly I I cared honestly, like I did care about it, but I didn't want to hear it because mm. like going down that rabbit hole for me, I didn't want to do it again. Like I wasn't didn't want to put emphasis on it. Uh I was uh, just, I said to myself, whatever happens is what is meant for me. Like, I've I've prayed about it. Now, the only thing I can do is, is hope and have faith, have trust, trust in it. Because if if you doubt just a little bit, your trust is gone. Like, just trust and just play video games and just listen to music until your time's come. Because uh, once the draft hits, you'll have uh, all that you need. Not, not anything more, not anything less. You'll have what you need. And then draft day comes around. Uh, I, get my, I get a call from my agent. Says the Phillies want to take me for uh, in the third round. And then I'm like, yeah, I'll go with it. It's the best deal that I think I'll get. And Phillies it is. And, and then uh, I see it. I get a call. Oh, congratulations, Phillies took you. Uh, no emotions. Uh-oh. Facial blank. No expressions, I'm just like, okay, all right, let's go. And it was just like weeks, like weeks later, it it just hit me. I was like happy. Like the emotions that I should have felt on draft day hit me weeks later. I was just like, my girlfriend was like, I was going to kill you because you didn't, I thought that the call was to say that you weren't going to get picked because you just looked blank
0: faced I'm like, no, they they picked me. Was it more the shock of it or like was was it just really weird to hear?
1: I think it was shock because I was like honestly I didn't feel any different because I feel like I had the draft emotions, the draft expectations, uh, like I've experienced them years before that and I kept playing that over in my head I just didn't have anything left because it felt the same. You know what I mean? It was kind of just thinking about it over and over and over again. So when it happened, I was like, this isn't any different than I've been visualizing and feeling. Like I used to look at myself in the mirror and uh, like feel those emotions. I'd get, I just like kind of talk to myself and speak as like the commentator, like And with the uh, whatever pick, uh, team picks, Gabriel Reconis Jr. in the first round, in the second round. And then I just re- like kind of, pretend that I got picked and then I don't know it's just like every time I would do it I guess just didn't feel any different than when I actually got picked I was like oh my god like it's the same thing I was just like no emotions I don't know
0: (laughs) how did your family react when you told them
1: they were like I I called them they were like they didn't even answer the the first call that I, I called them they didn't answer and I was like, oh. and then they called me right after, and they were they were they were pretty chuffed. They were really happy.
0: You should have left them a voicemail, like one of the most important <laughs> call, uh, calls of your life. Like, uh, yeah, uh, Dad, yeah, it's got drafted in the third round of the Phillies. Just give me a call when you can't chase.
1: <laughs> <laughs> everyone, well. everyone had more emotion than I did on draft day. Yeah,
0: that's so funny. Do, do any of the like you said before that you didn't speak to, to Jordan from your high school and there's there's some kids that are like, oh, the baseball kid. Did you hear from any of those uh school friends in, in Scotland when you got drafted? Or what, yeah, what, what did they uh, make?
1: A lot, a lot, honestly. Like the the amount of support and uh congratulations that I got from like people were everywhere that I was at, like St. Paul's, St. Andrews High School. We're at primary school. Uh just it was overwhelming. It was honestly like it made me feel really, really appreciated. I mean, it's not it wasn't often that uh I would get to hear from certain people that sent me a message made me feel really good. Um, you know, it was it was really nice. It was really
0: nice. You know, if I was headmaster or teaching that school, your photo would be your picture would be on a wall and baseball would be part of the curriculum and everyone would be getting on a coach. <laughs> Get a field in five built.
1: St. Paul's. St. Paul's. Uh, I think it was the. You know how? Uh, once you get a primary school, you get like a a yearbook, and it's got like pictures of you. Yeah. and It's like most likely to be whatever. And one of the, I'm sure, I'm sure that I've got that yearbook somewhere. But one of the pages it's got most likely to be a baseball player, and I dressed up as a baseball player, and it's got these pants, like these trousers that are like halfway up my my leg because they don't fit me. And it's just like, I look terrible. It was a terrible picture, but that's in there somewhere.
0: That's so funny. That's brilliant. Uh, so a lot happened in 2021 in the draft as well, but you also got called up to the uh, GB for the European Championships in Italy um, yeah. for the 23s. What do you remember about that call-up? I, was,
1: um, honestly, I don't really remember. Like, I forget a lot stuff I remember the fight there I got um I got a seat by the emergency exit so my legs can have some extra room uh honestly but I didn't I didn't play really well um that whole tournament I feel like I let everybody down uh, but it was a very good experience nonetheless I mean other than the fact that you know they, they paid me to go out there and then just for me to play that way it was just didn't sit well with me at all because I feel like I did them an injustice uh, but hope hope to turn things around uh the WBC in March. Uh, hopefully that the Phillies will let me go, considering I haven't played a game for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if they don't, but I'm doing my best to, to convince them otherwise.
0: Yeah. Did you match any of the, the WBC qualifiers?
1: Yeah, I so saw the the game against, um, was it Spain? It was really yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. How much did you want to be out there?
1: See, like, I, I don't do that a lot because... Um, I'm I'm very like stuck in the present like I'm not supposed to be there, there now so, like, and then I'm like, oh my shoulder's not healthy and mm. I haven't swung so I was like, just this is good for them like this is this is time for them not time for me just focus on my rehab.
0: Yeah, how is your rehab rehab going?
1: Good, starting to hit, uh, hit live uh, the other day. I've got a video on that and uh, throwing to under fifty feet through the bases feels feels pretty good not bad
0: yeah i just want to take you back to those euros you said it wasn't the greatest time um on the field for you but what are some of your favorite memories then from from being around the camp and the off-field stuff just the
1: the banner that everybody had was, was fun to be around and uh just getting to hear some of the stories of the players um on the team and just being around them was uh eye-opening and the coaching staff was was great also um it was really good it was a lot of uh i feel like i, I was meant to be there for more, more off the field than on the field um uh, but i remember them singing god save the queen and them trying to make me go say uh saying god save the queen i'm like you guys know that i'm from scotland right like i know we'll fly a flower of scotland but i don't know don't really know god save the
0: queen i'm like i'm sorry <laughs> How well did that go down? Did you mime it? Yeah, I did mime it. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, Drew will be here. You're going to be in for the high jump. <laughs> uh, um, so, with with all your time in baseball, you've been from, through Scotland and, and your high school and to where you are now. Which players and coaches have you learned the most from?
1: High school coach Dennis Brown was uh, like huge like instrumental uh mental toughness and just the fundamental fundamentals of baseball um I mean he's the only man that's cut me two years in a row from the team so uh that alone kind of made me a different player than everyone else Hmm. just because um he he would tell me I was like how do I get how do I make your team how do I get better he's like just go get better come back be better So that just made me really mad. So I'll just go and get better, I guess. Um, and then after high school, um, just honestly, I've been blessed with every, every level. Like the coaches were really good. Like I learned something from all of them. Um, more good than bad. Um, yeah. Coach John McCormick from FAU. Great person. Like unbelievable, good, good person. Um, Brian Beckman, good hitting coach. Um, I mean Mitchell Wydetic, uh he was the outfield coach he's now the infield coordinator at St. Leo um, he's more younger than my age like 25 but he acts like he's 45 I mean that guy's he's really smart very wise um, pitching coach I mean any level you, you name it like those coaches were great mm. like even I mean, for the little time that I spent in Italy, like Marcelino, like uh, all that coaching staff, true, like they were all amazing. Like I only spent about a month there uh, with them, and uh, they were awesome.
0: Yeah, they're a great group group yeah. of people. The, the GB staff. I love hearing their stories and and people coming on telling me about their their coaching methods and how they just the the environment they've created and the, the culture. It's it's great. It's great to hear their stories. It really is good. So um can I ask um you've mentioned before about like, you the, the like some of the feedback you had just like getting better and just being really wound up and angry by it. Are you still an angry player now or have you like you said before, you've you sort of taken your hands off the wheel a bit. Do you think you play differently now than, than you did before?
1: So I I should probably clear up what I mean by angry because mm. um, the first two years yeah I was I was very upset very angry because uh, not at anyone else I was just angry with myself for not being as good as I should be uh, how I thought I should be that was my reality and um, each like a different pair like everybody has a different reality of themselves uh, for me my reality would be someone else's unrealistic reality. So that's why reality, I have that um as a subjective term for me. I just it doesn't have the same meaning. People give it a, a negative connotation. So for me I just don't use it altogether. Hmm. Um but yeah I think I I think I do have a more mature um it's like a controlled aggression now. It's like be aggressive when you need to be, but don't be controlled by your emotions because as a pitcher, you might get away with that, might work to your favor. But as a as a hitter, you really need to learn how to control failure. Cause I mean, you succeed 30% of the time and you're a Hall of Famer. Like that to me, numbers wise, 30% is not good at all in anything. Like you get 30% on your t- on your test, that's you failed. <laughs> but baseball is a little different. So um I've come to kind of control diaggression and use some some of the darker emotions to your own benefit but at the same time it's like fire you can get burnt with the fire but you can also make it cook for you so it's kind of like that just don't like to get like just put it towards what you yeah. should shouldn't
0: that's a good way to put it that's very interesting um now we, we, we're chatting off I'm, I'm going to change the, the subjects a little bit um about what you've been doing in, in the off season and the downtime. Let's talk about the the show. MLB the show. Um now for, for many of us, we um do our career mode and we create our own characters, but it's gonna be a bit different for you this time around, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, once I start
1: playing, um, everyone gets the like you said, an application to who you are. And then I don't know if it's just the top thirty prospects in the organization, because I I doubt it. Um, I think it's every player in the minor leagues that gets the wrong card. But after they see you play for a bit, you yeah, you send them an email, and uh, they send you your own, your own personalized card with um, a different like um, different font. Like it says the real blah blah blah, and then it's got like your stats like through the roof. And only you have that card. Everybody else can play that card, but you can't play with it unless you're
0: the player that's amazing. It's such a nice little insight and bit like behind the scenes into the game like have you seen your your stats and your breakdown because you see like on uh, Instagram like um NFL players are madden like oh I don't agree with my Madden rating I, I should be <laughs> faster than that because I'm a I'm not really so, sixty eight rated prospect.
1: since I haven't played. A like single game in Pro Bowl, they don't. I don't have. I haven't sent over the application because they don't have a basis to judge it on. So I don't have it yet.
0: That'd be really cool though <laughs> to to sort of go go for your actual stats as in the game against what you're <laughs> you have having. You can. That's decide. Right, like,
1: so I'm I'm playing uh, FIFA right now. So, I'm, oh I'm, yeah, I'm locked yeah. in on FIFA right now.
0: Yeah, and how's how's your FIFA FIFA going as part of your rehab? <laughs> I
1: just bought Ronaldo, so i will tell you. Uh, yeah, how much I've been playing the game.
0: <laughs> That's a lot. We were talking Plus, like even with like inflation and prices from when I was playing when I was a nipper, it was outrageous to price that thing on Ultimate Team yeah, for for insane. the players. Yeah, but you you've worked hard for this one. I've you no, no buying buying coins. Yeah. No, nope. we'll, we'll go there. We'll go there. No, oh <laughs> see, I thought you were going to give me this little speech about you know dedication and. And hard work and commitment to it. Now he's just going and bought a couple of thousand <laughs> coins of some chump and... <laughs> on eBay. <laughs> you
1: know things and things in uh, rehab. They're a little different. A little different. Not much to do other than rehab, and then come back and just play play your video games.
0: Yeah, Are you Xbox or PlayStation? PlayStation. Why? Um, uh, I was
1: Xbox back then it was like Black Ops Two, but don't know. Just kind of playstations what i've been using ps5 is little better.
0: yeah yeah um I'm, I'm broke there's no way i'm being able to afford on them i can't afford the games that's how broke i am it's like 60 quid for a oh, the, it's the like, games mm. are
1: expensive they're very expensive
0: hmm
1: yeah no and the only games that i've really bought were the fifa um the show and the new code
0: j so you don't get like, copies nah. of the show for free now that you're gonna be in it not one of the perks oh, of being that's a, a ball player, great question. That's a great question. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that's one you should definitely be asking. <laughs> but as long as I'm playing, do I get 12 copies on all formats? <laughs> if not, I just want to grade a grayed out picture of my face going forward. Okay. That's nice. right. Let's, let's get back down to the uh, to the baseball talk that the, the good folk tune in, uh, tune into all six of them. <laughs> um, so I, I like to find out a bit more about some of the people um that mean the most to in this. So who would make your Mount Rushmore of baseball people? So four individuals that mean the most to you within the baseball world and why they would make your your top four. I
1: mean that's uh there's a lot of people because players alone I could I could list a good fifteen of them, but to make it uh, a vague, to make it vague, I'll, I'll just say my teammates, pretty much all teammates that I've had. I mean, I haven't had a single teammate that hasn't taught me anything. Um, whether they're good at baseball or not good at baseball, whether they're annoying or the best person, like I've learned something from pretty much all the players I've played with. Um, I mean. The whole coaches and staff of each team, like whether I saw eye to eye with them or whether I didn't, still like I wouldn't change anything because there have been some coaches that um, I just didn't mix well with them, but I've still I uh, wouldn't trade them for for anything. So the coaches, players, my uh, my parents and family, because a lot of sacrifices um, on their part. That it took for me to be here, um, like my uncles, was my, my parents, um, and then the friends off the field, like girlfriend, uh, should be her own category, but um, honestly, the friends that I value most, uh, are the ones that, you know, are well rooted in their faith with uh, with Jesus. and um, I mean, I said those four categories, but above else, like the number one category for me that Matters over anything is is Jesus, um, is my faith, is is the Lord. So um, that's above else, like above
0: everything. Yeah, have you always been quite religious, or did you find your faith a bit later on in life?
1: My Whole family is Catholic. I am. Um, I grew up knowing I didn't. So I grew up loving God and um, not not knowing God. I love God. Didn't know God. Didn't know Jesus Christ. Didn't didn't uh, pursue m- my life, um, in a manner where where I put that as the priority. I just kind of put it as a side. Um, obviously everyone, um, when everyone is going at their worst, they turn to God as like the last, uh, you know, their safety net. Rather than living that way, um. Uh, I changed that living, I changed it to where um, it's the first thing I go to, not my safety net. Um, And that was, last year was really big for that because um, it was, it's not like you have to live your whole life uh, perfect and um, a holy life, you don't have to do that. Uh, That's the Catholic, kind of like the Catholic, way um do good things and you'll go to heaven do good things and be a good person it's not it's not about how 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 many good things you could do um it's about accepting and acknowledging what Jesus has done for everybody dying on a cross spilling his blood um so last year was really fundamental for me instead of um living lukewarm uh living half-ass life um i explain it. Uh, just committing my life to it was started last year and having a look back, everything's
0: been great. Cool. Um, just to, to sort of bring this session to a close, got a, some, well, another listener question for you. Uh, it comes from uh, Skipper, of the GB National Team, Mr. Drew Spencer. Um, Over the last year, you've got, over the past year, sorry, you've gone from duco european championships d1 professional baseball player how have you been able to handle such an incredible journey and what lessons would you pass on to the young great britain baseball players about following their dreams and making it from here
1: not to shower anyone with too much um too much repetitiveness on the importance of um you know faith and the wonders that that can I can help, um, because that's embedded in everybody. But um, don't let I mentioned it earlier. Don't let uh, other people um, dictate your reality, because I don't even use the word anymore. Don't like every time someone uses "let's be realistic," I kind of I cringe because real being realistic is uh, what you want it to be, your reality of things, uh, even when things aren't that. You say. This is my reality. This is what I'm going to try and do and plead with, with God. Um, obviously, put Jesus first because it says in the Bible you put him first and all the things will be added onto you. Uh, but obviously, doing um, there's a Bible verse out there that says, uh, faith without deeds is dead. So there can't be no faith without your deeds. So um, obviously, you work hard because um, a life without working hard, you know. There's no fruit. Um, and when I mean working hard, if you think that you worked hard that day, that just means you haven't because everyone that works hard thinks they can work a little bit harder. And then those people that think that way end up being the hard hard-drift workers in the room because they never stop looking to work harder, looking to be better. Um, and then um, I would advise people who are in baseball that if your teammates aren't looking at you like you're insane and a madman, like the amount of work that you put in, um, then you're probably not working as, as hard as you probably should because until you get to that point where everyone thinks that you're absolute nuts, uh, that's when you know your, your hard work kind of comes into fruition and you start seeing what you put in to to whatever it may be. School, baseball, anything—you uh, get what you put in to the sport or whatever it may be.
0: That's some really good advice. That's some of the stuff that you said I've tried to instill in my little boy, especially with the the bits and pieces about trying to be the hardest worker in the room. But like a primary school, so sort I of think just trying to get him to to enjoy it and just do the best he can. And if he knows he's tried his hardest at something, then that's okay. But again, and, just so- um,
1: one last thing is like if things don't go your way the first time or the second time or the third time or the fourth time it doesn't stop until you stop so you don't you like you can keep going until you win I mean it yeah. doesn't stop until you say it time's up like you stop until you win uh, and that's why um having faith in the unknown is huge because when the two mentalities is um you can choose to be okay things aren't going my way let me just do something else or things aren't going my way right now but i'm being prepared to what i want i'm feeling now so that it prepares me to where i get to the point where i really want to be
0: you Hmm. know yeah yeah brilliant lovely stuff i think that's a great way for us to, to end end the show uh, Gabe it's been fascinating and superb to talk to you uh, absolute pleasure I hope the listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have found an absolute uh, blast so I give the mic over to you it's all yours how would you like to end this it's um, entitled to you the last word goes to the guest so Gabe irwin Junior thank you very much for your time the floor is all yours cheers Matt um
1: okay. any uh anybody watching uh that knows me personally um and wants to come see me out uh play over in clearwater or, Claywater, or uh, new jersey or wherever i may be in philly and uh, don't be afraid to you know give me a shout i would love to see you at the game and give you some tickets um you know I play for play for everybody that supports
0: me so other stuff you're in it let's get a with people aren't they <laughs> yeah <laughs> what 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 a holiday's like in New Jersey? Let's let's see. <laughs> Excellent. I'm sure you'd be a great tour guide and host.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know about that. No, Come I on have on. no idea of New Jersey. No, no you excited to find maybe, out? Yeah, I'm, I'm
0: thinking maybe a lot like Scottish weather, <laughs> but a bit milder. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be you'll be all right. You've been prepared for it.
1: Yeah. No, I, I like, look forward to uh, like the cold weather now uh, this time of year. It's just so yeah. hot in Florida all whole, whole time.
0: Yeah, well, not getting any of that here in Manchester. Right. So always and it's always cold. Apart from when it's not, it's beautiful. Yeah. 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 All right, dude. Well, thank you again very much for your time. Uh, have a great off-season. Uh, thank you. I'll uh, try and kick your ass on free for some time. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. All right, dude. Have a good one. All right, Take All care. Thank you. See ya.